Welcome to episode 44 of the 24-Hour Hustle Show. And today, we got special guest, author, CEO, and media strategist, Brianne Mitchell. Welcome to the 24-Hour Hustle Show. I'm your host, Anthony Freeze, and this is the show where we are killing excuses of time and bringing on guests that are sharing amazing stories, their struggles, and also their success. If this is the very first time you are finding us, definitely make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you turn on notifications so that you can get these every single time that we post. But today, we got Bree on the show. I am so glad we got the opportunity to connect uh, over Facebook and get the opportunity to find out about all the things that you're doing with you know, um, your businesses and also writing your children's book and just learning about your story definitely inspired me, motivated me, moved me, and uh, I just really appreciate that time that we got the chance to sit down and I'm so glad to have you on the show today to be able to share, so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here yeah. on the 24-Hour Hustle. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. We all got that same time to be able to make things happen. So I'm definitely excited for you to be able to share what you're doing because you have a lot going on, a lot on your plate, and you're definitely maximizing on your time, and you ha you have no excuses, and you're getting it done. So uh, I definitely want to get into you know the conversation. So for people who don't know who you are yet, um, you know, give us your name, your background, and some of the things that you've done leading up to this point of getting into these children books. Sure. So my name is Brianne Mitchell. I am first and foremost a mom mm -hmm. and a wife, and my children are Della and Lila of the Della and Lila book series. And I taught at, uh, I was a college professor. I taught at the university level before I retired from teaching uh, to go into business with my husband, with my family. And it eventually became a true family business when my children got involved and we came up with the Della and Lila book series. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. And we're definitely going to get into that story because, like I said, whenever you shared that with me, I was like, I was amazed. Um, so, you know, just in, you know, kind of even figuring out a little bit more of your backstory and just how you were raised and kind of just how you develop your mindset over time. Um, now, are you born and raised in Pittsburgh or where are you, where are you from? Yes, I am. So, okay. born and raised in southwestern Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes south of the city, and I actually live now with my family in the house that I grew up in. Oh, wow. So, we have strong roots mm -hmm. in our community, and my husband and I wanted to raise our daughters around our family. We thought that that was very important, and that was a very important part of our decision whenever we decided. Um, so, after graduate school and after he went to law school, where we were going to eventually end up, and we ended up in the house mm -hmm. that I grew up in. So That's amazing. We're right there. Uh, we live in the woods along the Monongahela River, and we're with our family, and we live in a small community, and I think that shaped a lot of who I am, where I came from, where I, where I currently come from, where my children were born and raised, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And what would you say inspired you to become a teacher? I mean, because writing the books definitely feels like that lines up reasonably and really perfectly, actually. Um, so what inspired you to become or get into the, the teaching field? That's a really good question. So my very first class, 
in college as a freshman. I was at Virginia Tech, and it was it was Monday at 9 a.m. and um, all students were required to take two semesters of a language. So I signed up for Spanish, and I walked into the Spanish class, and um, my professor was there, and she was she was this in incredibly intelligent woman, and she spoke several languages and. Um, she, she told me about her, uh, well she told the entire class of course about her experience growing up, um, learning these languages and wanting to educate. And I thought it sort of aligned, you know, with my story. I, I, I was not, <laughs> not a um, student of the languages, mm -hmm. but I was a student. And I love to learn and I love to teach and I thought that would really align with who I was and what I wanted to do and I knew that it would require a lot of schooling and I knew that it would require um, teaching part-time. I taught at uh, a community college before I was an adjunct at a university and before I eventually became a full-time instructor, full-time faculty member at a university for several several years. I. Um, you know, I, I put the work in. I, I would. I put the hustle in. Yeah. And so I, I knew that it would take. I knew that it would take the time. Um, but I always had that. I always had that in mind. I wanted to teach. I wanted to teach these young adults who were on the verge of the rest of their lives. And I thought that that was a really important transition time, uh, as a student, as a human, as a person. And I sort of wanted to be right in that moment with them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so, what happened, or when did you? Um, get into the point where you transition to, you know, being a, a CEO, being an entrepreneur, and, and things like that, because you said you um, were doing the law firm with your husband. So how did you get from being a teacher to transitioning into doing that with your husband? So as I mentioned, we live in a, a small town, um, in a small community, and my, my husband and I decided that that is where, you know, we wanted to raise our children. So uh, my husband was practicing law and acting as a bail surety agent uh, in our small town. And so when you're practicing law in a small town, it's, it's good to be a general practitioner mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily specialize in something. And so his clientele was growing and his business was growing. And he approached me and said, um, I have a couple of things to talk to you about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm considering expanding. What are your thoughts? I'm also considering um, purchasing a, a large commercial property what do you feel, how do you feel about this? So we always knew that we worked well together. Um, we, we work well together, we sort of think along the same wavelength, and I said, well, that's great, let's do it. And he said, okay, done. Mm -hmm. um, we eventually turned that commercial building into a restaurant. Um, we had a contract with Starbucks, so everything that Starbucks offered, we were able to offer in Brownsville. Um, the law firm was growing, he needed help, and he needed, he needed 24 hour help um, because a lot of clients needed him in the middle of the night, he was going out late, so it was kind of hard um, early on to find an employee, to ask an employee to do something like that. Hey, can you work at two o'clock in the morning? Right. Um, or three in the morning? So it was just a natural transition that I would assist him um, as, a, as a partner, and then we grew together, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And we brought on more people, and uh, we went from just practicing law and writing surety bail to being more of um, to to transitioning into social services. So our clients needed us; they needed um, 
help with placement in rehabilitation facilities or social services or domestic help and so I worked with a lot of the women and children in that aspect and my husband Mitch worked with his clients um, setting up housing, setting up different programs, um, assistance programs uh, and, and so and legal help so it wasn't just um, we're going to we're going to do your legal work it was sort of like let me help you with with whatever it is that you need help with and so he found comfort in that and he enjoyed doing that um, that sort of transitioned us into a philanthropic approach you know a philanthropic lens to our business and how can we give back and how can we help because there are certainly a lot of people who need our help and that eventually led into what we do mm -hmm. with the book series as well. And that's awesome. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into that for sure. Now, um, and also you do uh, media, you're a media strategist as well. I am. Now, did that come before the books or afterwards? That came before the books. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so it was, it's a lot of fun. It was really fun. So I taught social media as a college professor. That was one of my courses. So I taught... Man, I would have took that class yeah. all day. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was right at the beginning of Twitter and sort of right at the transition between um, MySpace into Facebook. So we had all these textbooks, and we were doing all this research, and we were sort of, I had um, two partners in the department, and we were just trying to figure out what the best approach was um, and how can we teach this most effectively, as you would do with all of your courses when you're working on your syllabi and developing curriculum. Um, but that was so fun. Yeah. I mean, it was so fun. It was brand new at the time. It was so exciting. Um, and, and so we researched it on an academic level. So, um, and, and almost, um, you know, we looked at the qualitative data, we looked at the quantitative data, and we sort of took, brought that all together and we said, how can we best serve these students? How can we teach them to go out and utilize social media within their businesses, not even knowing that social media would be the business itself mm -hmm. or the career itself? So it started in, through academics and education and then uh, through the law firm we had clients who would say, how can I most maximize my business? You know, they would come in for contractual reasons or... Um, they needed they needed documents proofed or prepared, and uh, Mitch would be able to say, "Well, you can talk to Bree about um, sort of marketing your business, you know, a little bit better." And they would say, "Well, I I I put up signs, or I did this, or I did that." And he would say, "Well, let's talk about social media, and let's talk about how right. to best integrate that strategy for your business." So we worked with so many different businesses. Um, so many different businesses, uh, other law firms, financial firms, uh, entrepreneurs, bakeries, horse barns, okay. dance studios, mm -hmm. and um, per other professional organizations. And of course, we volunteered our time and our expertise in the legal realm and also in the social media realm for a lot of nonprofits in the area. So we were able to, well, that's to awesome. help. Yeah. Well, that's good. That way. That is awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. I bet. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, actually, since we're on the topic, what's actually some good maybe social media or marketing advice or how can people be more effective with using their social media to build their business or even what's something that people should be doing that they're not doing? Okay. So you need content. You need content. You have to produce your content. And um, I work with a business coach. So I work with a business coach. Her name is Darius Chisholm, mm -hmm. who 
was on the 24-hour hustle. Absolutely. And Episode 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I work with Darius, so I think, um, and Darius holds me accountable. So I think that, or I really feel that in order to be successful, you need to have accountability and you need to be able to be held accountable for what you're doing, especially as an entrepreneur when you're working by yourself. Mm -hmm. So having someone to be accountable to um, is, is really, really helpful. And also knowing your audience. So if you're marketing to a specific demographic and that specific demographic doesn't utilize your social media platform because if, let's say, for example, you're marketing to... Um, you're marketing a product or you're marketing your service to, to, to homeowners, mm -hmm. right? So homeowners are usually of this age and of this financial bracket. Um, and you're running stories on Snapchat, like that demographic may not be utilizing that social media platform. So you have to know your demographic and you have to know who you're, who you're um, marketing to. And the third tip I have, of course, is content. Get your content out there. Content, content, content. Mm -hmm. Create your brand, follow your brand, brand and uh, create your content. Mm -hmm. You have to get your content out there. You can't say, um, or it would be a disservice to say, um, I am, uh, you know, I, I have a podcast. Here are my two episodes. Right. You need your 50 episodes in a year, which is exactly what you're mm -hmm. doing. You know, you're on track for that. Mm -hmm. So you have to have your content. And Darius uh, taught me because I was, I was, um, very stuck on perfection and I would edit down to the to the final numbers and to the final cuts and she would say it's okay mm -hmm. it's okay if you're at 85% get your content out there so creating content getting your content out there knowing your demographics and being held accountable are all very important very important aspects of social media mm -hmm. those are definitely good tips I'm glad you shared that as yeah. well um, now we can actually get into the book because okay. I love this story and I, I can't wait for you to share it as well because uh, like I said you have what two kids yes two little girls you have uh, two different businesses at the time when you were doing this or or getting into the transition about to start another one well we have we had probably about three okay all right that makes yeah. it makes the story at, even more juicier at the time there were about three, three okay. things we were juggling mm -hmm. okay so yeah let's get into the story of how you were able to create this children's book um you've been able to get it out there to the world yeah. you've been able to share with a lot of children and, and and just people and just be able to add a lot of value to you know people out there so how did this come about how did this story end up being created okay so this is this is out of all of the things that my husband and I have done and I've done personally in regard to business or work or professional careers, this, this is absolutely my, uh, my cherry on top, you know, my, my heartfelt project, you know, mm -hmm. this comes from the heart, from a, from a really deep place of love, so I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> so um, the Della and Lila book series started with Della and Lila Meet the Monongahela Mermaid. and um, when my daughter, Della, was five years old, she was in kindergarten. She was very sick and she uh, was missing a lot of school due to uh, pretty heavy illnesses that we, you know, eventually had to address. But she was really sick and she was just this little, this little peanut, you know, this little thing. And um, we were sitting at the kitchen table and I was working on my laptop and she was doing makeup work. She had about 25 or 30 million, somewhere in between there, mm. <laughs> worksheets um, that she had to complete. And, she, and she's a very good worker. She's a very good student. Um, 
But I mean, when you're five and you're on worksheet number 15, you're probably going to ask for a break. You're probably going to get tired. So, you know, I'm kind of pushing her through these worksheets so she can complete her work and not be too terribly behind when she eventually returns to school. Um, and she said, Mommy, can I, can I have a break? And I said, sure, you can have some goldfish, have a snack, and, you know, have some water. And, and so she got her snack and sat back down, and she was eating her fish, and she looked over at me, and she said, can I tell you a story? I said, sure. So I closed my laptop, and I said, yeah, tell me your story. Mm -hmm. And she said, there's a mermaid. And I said, oh, a mermaid. I love mermaids. And she said, the mermaid lives in the Monongahela River, right over there. And I opened my laptop back up, and I said, tell me more. <laughs> so I just questioned her um, about the story, and I prompted her, uh, what did the mermaid look like? What was the mermaid's name? Um, was your sister there? Who else was there? What, how did the mermaid feel? She, she was sad. Well, why is the mermaid sad? Because there's pollution in the river. And I said, well, how can you fix that? So we typed everything down. It almost happened in that one sitting. Mm -hmm. And then I read it and I thought, geez, this is cute. This is a cute story. Um, hits home for me, you know. I grew up along the Monongahela River. I still kayak and swim and fish and boat. And I love, I love the river. And so it sort of made me happy that she loved the river too or loved it enough to at least tell a story about it. Mm -hmm. um, and she would tell stories all the time. She'd make up songs. She writes music. Um, she, she is constantly singing and performing and telling stories. But this one was particularly well done. This one was particularly good. I, I really enjoyed this one. And so I called her back the next day, because she eventually, you know, went to lie down and went to sleep. And, and I, I called her back the next day, and I said, Della, can we um, talk about this story a little bit more? And she said, oh, yes, I would love to talk about this story, mm -hmm. you know, as a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. So I asked her a few more questions, and she told me, because uh, there were some loose ends. So we tied up some loose ends, and it was a story. Mm -hmm. It was a story from beginning to end, and it was a good story. So I thought, I'm going to edit this up for her. And, and um, maybe I'll print it and bind it or something, and we'll, ha we'll save it for our family. Well, when I'm editing it, you know, and again, so as a mom with two young children, Della was five, Lila was three at the time, we read children's books constantly. I mean, we read children's books all the time. Two, three, four, five before bedtime. I mean, how many... You know, can you read mm -hmm. so you can not go to sleep? You know? Right, right. <laughs> so five in Della's room, five in Lila's room. So, you know, we're up to all these uh, children's stories per night. So I felt like I really knew what would create, just as a consumer, a pretty good children's story. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that Della's story had all of those aspects to create a, a really solid children's book. And... Um, I thought, well, maybe maybe we could illustrate this because there is some beautiful imagery in here. And I would love to see our home, our town, her friends and family in the book. I would love to see that artistically, mm -hmm. you know, illustrated. So I looked online and I found this illustrator. Uh, who's our illustrator? Her name is Sean. And uh, her artwork just sort of spoke to me. Like it, it just, it said, this is it. This is what... Uh, this is how this story needs to be represented. And I just loved her work, and it was so gentle and so beautiful, you know, had these gorgeous colors, and um, 
I sent her an email and I thought, well, surely she's not going to respond. Mm -hmm. And I said, would you be interested in illustrating this children's story? And she said I would. And I sent her the manuscript and she illustrated it. And then I thought, well, I have all these beautiful illustrations. Now I'm going to have to do some design work and, and put the story together. One thing led to another. Mm -hmm. We eventually had a book. <laughs> and I have to mention, um, so the book publishing and distribution process was certainly something that yeah. I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And the learning curve for that was so steep and and we've talked about before uh -huh. uh, I made every mistake you can make mm -hmm. and some some of them twice yeah <laughs> um, you know before I really understood what it took to publish and distribute a children's book in the distribution channels so um, you know it was it was a long process but I did it for my girls mm -hmm. and I don't think that if I would have sat down to say I'm going to write it even though I would have loved to I'm going to write a children's book on my own um, I'm not sure I would have. I'm not sure I would have completed the process all the way to right. the end. Mm -hmm. But my children held me accountable, mm -hmm. and I did it for them. And I always thought, well, you know, I'm an academic. I'm a writer, mm -hmm. um, and I always considered myself a writer, but never an author. And I always thought I always considered myself creative, but never an artist. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me permission to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so answering to them and being held accountable to them really gave me permission to do that and to be an author and to be an artist mm -hmm. um, for them as their mom. Absolutely. And so that's why it's my favorite project. That is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, and before we actually get into some of the struggles that you mm -hmm. face, I, number one, I want to find out how you were able to get this done with everything that you had on your plate, I mean, you know, what would you say made your time so effective in getting this done? I mean, you were already doing the, the other two or three projects mm -hmm. um, that you were already working on as far as businesses goes, and then you had this on the table as well. How were you able to get all this done, and what were what are some, maybe some good tips that helped you be a little bit more effective with your time? So, number one, I was held accountable by a three-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> right. I'm sure you know. You're essentially their editor. Yes. Yes, exactly. I was working for them, and I'm still working for them. Um, so, as you know, children can be very persistent. Mm -hmm. So, uh, mom, is it done? Mom, is it done? Mom, is it done? Mom, can I see it? Mom, is it done? Um, because they're little. Mm -hmm. You know, they're three and five. They're excited to see this story come to life. And... Um, so being held accountable, mm, accountability by my, is important. absolutely by my children, and um, I carved out time every single night. I carved out time. Um, the girls would go to bed, and I would, you know, I mean, it's like around what time would they go to bed? Uh, well, we would lay down at eight thirty, and then about ten, I was walking out of their room. <laughs> right. Um, so you know, I would work ten to twelve, ten to one on these books, writing, editing. Um, researching, designing it, uh, putting together the pages in Photoshop, re-editing and editing and editing and editing. And um, in the book, the text isn't just uh, sort of typed at the bottom of the page. Like it's stylized throughout the document, it's stylized throughout the book, it's different colors, there's different fonts, you know, it's, it's very much a children's book. Mm -hmm. um, so I would set aside time every night and if not every night at least every other night mm -hmm. I would put myself on my laptop and dedicate that specific time to this project 
but I didn't mind. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Right. And if you're not doing something you love, you're never going to stay up till one o'clock in the morning when you have to get up at six the next morning mm -hmm. um, to finish your project. This was this was a project that I loved. This was something I enjoyed more than anything else that I've ever done. And it was so exciting, and it was new, and it was um, it was for my family, and and so. Um, you know, just being so passionate about the work and loving it so much. Uh, I love working on the books, and mm -hmm. they are time-consuming and difficult. Yeah. And I love every second of it. Mm -hmm. So you have to be passionate about what you're doing. And I know that sounds a bit cliche, but it is it is 100% accurate and 100% mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. So being passionate about what you're doing, loving the process. Um, That's the key right there. You know, loving everything that you're doing, and so that that you know that right there mm -hmm. um, sort of motivates you to get it done. Mm -hmm. And you know, here is this beautiful end result, mm -hmm. um, and we're very proud of it. Mm -hmm. We worked really hard on it. In fact, my Della um, was was also very integral in the research. So, for example, I would say Della, um, we're going to go up into our library. It was upstairs uh, in, in like the playroom. And I want you to find the book that you think is the best shape. Mm -hmm. So she took it very seriously and she would look and look and I'd say, okay, we're going to go to the bookstore and I want you to find the book that looks the best to you. Mm -hmm. And I want you to find the book that feels the best to you. So here's this kind of cover, here's this kind of cover, what feels best to you. And Della uh, has struggled with sensory processing. Uh, since she was very little. So these books actually feel sort of rubbery mm -hmm. um, and they don't have that dry papery texture and that was for her because that's what felt good to her. Mm -hmm. So that's what um, she chose for the material. Keeping the it authentic to her. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, and these were the sizes she chose. This is what she thought worked out well for her. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was, you know, she was very much part of the research. That is awesome. Yeah, that's that's amazing. amazing. I, one of the things that we said, or that you said, um, as far as, you know, maximizing your time is having the passion. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I was sitting here thinking about it. I was like, passion pretty much equals loving the process. Mm -hmm. If you have passion for what you love, I mean, and, and not a lot of people actually break down what, you know, what does passion actually mean? Is it just your emotional about it? It's like, you know, passion equals love in the process, yes. good, bad, or indifferent. Yes, you yes. You know, no matter what. So that's what it really is when it comes to, you know, being truly passionate about what you do. You know, sp spending time in those late night hours or, you know, editing uh, night after night or every other night or, or doing the research and trying to, you know, get the publishing stuff done. Like, that's what it's really all about. So if you have the passion and love the process of all those different things, no matter what, you're going to be able to get through it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's actually get into some of the, the challenges that you faced in the initial phases of actually getting this started because like you said, you had no, you, you knew nothing about publishing or Gosh. anything like that. So what were some of the initial challenges that you faced that were like really great learning experiences that you look at now? The entire, the entire project was a learning experience <laughs> right. um, because I absolutely had no idea what what book publishing was, what distribution was, and I really, really had no clue. Um, the only publishing experience I had was from an academic perspective. Mm -hmm. So I went to an academic publishing house, and I said, would you be interested in printing this? And they said, sure, we'll print it. Now, how did you find them real quick? 
but I knew of them through textbook research from uh, from gotcha. teaching. Okay. okay, so so I went to them and I just said, um, like when you put together manuscripts or workbooks for a specific class, um, you know you can you can send your material to to this particular group and they can they can publish mm -hmm. for you. So um, I thought, well, I've done that. You know, maybe it's the same. Um, spoiler, it's not. <laughs> right, okay. It's not at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to them, and they said, well, you have to have your print-ready files just as you would have your print-ready files for your workbooks for class. And I said, well, how do you, how do you make a print-ready file? Mm -hmm. And they said, I don't know, look it up. <laughs> oh, my gosh, okay. Right. So I, I bought Photoshop, and I had to... I watched on YouTube. I watch YouTube videos on how to right. import pictures and add text and do all those things. I, I you know, I'm, I don't know much about Photoshop, but I certainly you know enough. You get the basics done. Yes, and um, so I didn't know anything about that. And then I didn't know anything about bleeds or margins or um, the center gutter where you don't want your illustrations to fall, like mm -hmm. the main part of your illustration to fall in there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of that, so. Every time I printed the book as a sample copy, something would be wrong. Mm. I'd say, okay, I'm going to fix this and send it back. But I wouldn't know because I didn't even know what I was looking at right. on my computer in, in those, um, you know, during those times that I was editing or laying out the book. And I did it all myself, so I really didn't know anything. Um, I would encourage people to have a really good graphic designer. Okay. So if you're going to publish a children's book, you need a really excellent graphic designer. Um, and and you can find one on uh, freelance websites mm -hmm. um, and you can sample their work and you can look at it if you don't know a graphic designer locally. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage, encourage folks to have a graphic designer. So I learned all of the graphic design mistakes. Mm -hmm. I learned from all of the graphic design mistakes because I made all of them. <laughs> Every right. one of them. And that's okay. I can admit that. I can say that because we still have this award-winning book series that came from it because you mm -hmm. kept persevering and you kept every hoop that you know came across your path you jump through it you jump through it you jump through it you just keep keep pushing and mm -hmm. you keep you keep going and you do that not because you hate it and you don't you know because of the passion because you love what you're doing you're not going to jump through all those hoops or keep working through all your mistakes if you don't absolutely have the passion for the project mm -hmm. um, so, so that was that was one aspect. Um, distribution channels. We could have a whole podcast. Yeah, just on that. Yes, on effective distribution channels. So you have to. Um, I would encourage people to do their research. Where do you want to sell your book? Uh, where do you want your Where do you want your book to be sold? Um, uh, distribution channels are very important because when you're in specific distribution channels, they your book is uh, distributed to the people at the end of those channels. So mm -hmm. if you want to be um, if you want to be on Amazon and you're uh, self-published, then then go the Create Space route. But if you want to be in Barnes and Noble and you want to be an actual um, book on a shelf, then you need to go the agent publisher route because that space is reserved for that particular publishing company mm -hmm. on that particular shelf in that particular store. Mm -hmm. uh, so you just again uh, being well informed in regard to. Uh, where you want your product to be and how you want it to get there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the things that I definitely want to learn more about is the distribution aspect because eventually I do want to write a book as well. So, And also I know there's uh, people out there that also want to write their own books and things like yes. that. So understanding all these hoops and challenges that you face and how you overcame those are definitely highly 
valuable pieces of, of information. So definitely appreciate you sharing on that. Of course. Um, and then, you know, and, and moving forward, um, where do you see this going in the future? Or, or actually, before we actually even get there, how did the second book come along? Because this is the second one yes. as well. So how did this story get created? So that's a fun story as well. Um, uh, so my family was invited to Europe, to England and Wales for a European book tour because mm -hmm. our illustrator, Sean. One of the big things that came out of this book was awesome experience. Yes, yes, it was, um, it was so fun. I keep saying everything was so fun, but it was. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun. It's always so fun. And um, so we were invited to Europe to do book signings and um, at Waterstones, which is sort of like a Barnes & Noble um, in, in England and Wales where we were. And... Um, it was a very, a very short trip. It was four, four day, four nights, and we were covering just under two thousand miles in in all of this time, or in the short amount of time. Excuse me. So, we thought maybe we should leave Lila with my parents and my in-laws. So two nights with my parents, two nights with my in-laws. It's, you know, Lila gets a very special vacation, mm -hmm. and um, Lila was mad. <laughs> well, I was very mad mm -hmm. um, that she was left behind. But um, f flying, uh, you know, across the ocean and you, the time zones, and you're trying to have a three-year-old sleep and just be too much. Oh my goodness, it would be so much. And Dell is a very good traveler, and Lila, admittedly, is not the best traveler. She would just rather not. Mm. <laughs> um, so we thought she should stay home with with our parents, and she did. Um, and, sh and one of the activities that she did while we were away is she visited uh, Fort Necessity in Farmington or near Farmington, Pennsylvania, which was very influential in the War of 1812. Oh my gosh, the French and Indian War, excuse me. So um, she, she was very, very taken by that. She was very, um, she remembered so much about it and she had so much to tell me and all of these stories about General Braddock and George Washington and, and the Battle of the Monongahela and everything that happened at Fort Necessity and Jamonville Blood. So all of these really historical facts, you know, she was sort of telling me and telling me the stories and she's very excited about it. So this book... Pop open the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, okay, well, we did it for Della. Let's, you know, let's do this with Lila. So this book is about... This story, Dell and Lila and the Treasure Adventure, is uh, explains a little bit of southwestern Pennsylvania history. It explains the significance of the history in regard to what was going on in the world in general, uh, the political climate of the time, and like why would a child be interested in reading this book, right? Mm -hmm. Because who, like, as a child, you are you really that interested in? Right. Um, history. So we did it as um, Dell and Lila embark on a treasure adventure and they're searching for General Braddock's buried treasure, which is historically accurate. Um, and it hasn't been found yet mm -hmm. that we know of mm -hmm. publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yes, yes. And there are many treasure hunters, treasure seekers who try and find General Braddock's buried treasure. So um, Del and Lila go on a treasure hunt to find General Braddock's buried treasure, and we um, we sort of uh, integrate the history in the children's story. And what you find out at the end that that treasure that 
isn't always buried in the ground and treasure isn't necessarily gold bars and gems and coins. Treasure is the journey you take, the people you're with, and uh, the journey of life itself. So we, although those, those concepts seem a little advanced for a young reader, uh, I don't think that they are. I think mm. that children can truly understand being present in a situation and enjoying what they're doing. I think children do that a lot better than adults do. Mm. Um, so that's how Dellen Island, the treasure adventure, I came think, about. I think that is a beautiful story for sure. And I, I love how you've been able to incorporate your family into yeah. doing this. And, and, I, and I know with a lot of people that may have children, may find it a little difficult to maybe start businesses or, mm -hmm. or something creative and things like that. And I just love how you've been able to incorporate them into what you already love to do. Yeah. And uh, I think you're a great example of being able to do this. Definitely proud of the work that you're doing. Definitely excited to see all the things that you'll be able to do in the future. So definitely doing great work. Um, so, in, so in going into the future, where do you see yourself going with this in the next maybe two to five years? Or what's the big goal? What's the big vision for yourself? Or the family. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, our next book comes out in October, this October, so October 2018, and it will be the final book in the River Children's Book Series, the Monongahela mm. River Children's Book Series. So it's Del and Lila meet the Monongahela monster, mm. who really isn't a monster. He's just misunderstood, which I think is really appropriate for um, the current climate that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's relevant. It's also Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. because we write about the Monongahela River, we write about southwestern Pennsylvania, and um, I grew up uh, you know, hearing stories about the Monongahela monster and, and being afraid of going in the river and something would happen, but um, what, if, what if everyone is afraid of this quote-unquote monster and mm -hmm. he's not really a monster? Mm -hmm. Or she's not really a monster, mm -hmm. you know. So we delve into that. We explore that a little bit, and so that'll be the third and final in the Monongahela series. And then um, I'm currently working on a book. Okay. I'm cur I currently have a book project in the works, which again I never thought that I would do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always thought about it, I always dreamed about it, but I never thought it would be a reality until I was able to yeah, do this yeah. for my children. Yes. So. Um, so I'll be writing a book, and Della is currently writing her own young adult uh, novel chapter book, and wow. she's typing it on her own, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. don't know anything about it, except that it's about halfway finished, uh -huh. and she's working very hard on it. Wow. And um, so I see us working more with the book series. Um, I'm very, very proud of my girls. I'm very proud of them, um, and, and they work really hard. Mm -hmm. um, Pittsburgh Magazine named the book Best of the Berg. Um, the Girls World Expo named Della and Lila uh, Girls of Merit Award winners. And we were just recently working with WQED for Fred Rogers' Be My Neighbor Day. And we were just recently, uh, last weekend, at the Carnegie Science Center for River Weekend. Mm -hmm. And we partner with a lot of the Pittsburgh organizations uh, focused on children. Children, children and families around the city. Um, we've done the WPXI Holiday Parade. We've done Kennywood uh, Kids Fest. We've done 
book signings at Barnes and Noble. We've done um, events all over the place. And yes, that's so much fun. And yes, that's very exciting. But that's a lot of hard work right. for two little girls. Mm -hmm. And they're present at all of those events. And um, they're like celebrities. Well, <laughs> they're well. That's very sweet that you would say that. But they don't even know right. that this isn't normal. Right. And so they're very humble and they're very um, grounded in regard to the book series. And when we were at the Science Center last weekend, so in the book, The Monongahela Mermaid, Marina collects river treasures, so freshwater clamshells, coins, um, river stones, and she makes jewelry out of it. She makes bracelets and necklaces. So we had a craft for the children to make bracelets um, and necklaces out of river treasures. Mm -hmm. um, and Lila sat for eight hours on Saturday and eight hours on Sunday and taught every child that came in there. Um, they enjoy it. You mm -hmm. know, they enjoy this, but they don't even know right. um, that this is, that this is uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, that it's a little bit different maybe, you know, than what some other children are experiencing. And that being said, which is why we, that whole reason that they have the, you know, they have these beautiful experiences, um, we donate our proceeds from our book and merchandise sales to a different nonprofit mm -hmm. um, each quarter. So we um, we just did a back to school drive and we delivered uh, thirty book bags to two different elementary schools, so uh, sixty total, and we packed them with um, the school supplies. So. Um, we really believe in giving back, like that's really part of of the whole process and mm -hmm. who we are and what we do. So not only do they work very hard um, outside of the normal realm of like childhood, you mm -hmm. know, they work hard. They, they have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, they go and they volunteer at different community events. They are constantly raising money for other children. And um, I think it's really important to mention um, how hard they work and and to what end right like it's not to necessarily further advance their careers as authors or co-authors it's to help other children and that's really important to me and that's really important to um, to our whole mission as as a as the book series mm -hmm. that is amazing mm -hmm. that is absolutely amazing for sure so how can people get in get in contact with you the book where, where's the best place for people to reach you and all the things that you're doing? So social media. Mm -hmm, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Um, Bring it all around. <laughs> okay, okay. So you can find us on Twitter at Della and Lila. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Della and Lila. Um, I'm on LinkedIn for my own work as a media strategist and a CEO for our businesses. And we also have a website, www.dellaandlila.com, all spelled out, D-E-L-L-A-A-N-D-L-I-L-A.com. And you can read all about us and watch our videos and just sort of get to know us. Mm -hmm. And I would love, I would love to hear from, from anyone who's watching the 24-hour podcast, 24-hour uh, hustle podcast. I would love um, to hear from your viewers. And you can find our books at a lot of the local shops around the city. Uh, we're available on Amazon, we're available on barnesandnoble.com, we're available um, walmart.com, mm. and of course we're available um, on our own website awesome. for our own, through our own store. Right, well yep. that is awesome. And then uh, as we always do when we wrap up episodes, what is a 
24-hour challenge that you would propose to the audience that they can actually take action on within the next 24 hours of watching this episode. Okay, so I'm going to talk directly to the audience. Go so for what it. camera yeah, am get, I looking Get intimate. It could be okay, that right one. Right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right uh, in their face. <laughs> yes, I am here. I am. My name is Brianne Mitchell from the Della and Lila <laughs> Book Series, and I'm here to challenge you to a kindness challenge. So what I'm asking you to do for the next 24 hours is to be kind, but not when it's easy, when it's hard, when you're in a hurry, when you're in the car, when you're experiencing maybe a little bit of road rage because 376 is backed up beyond anything you've ever seen before. Right. Be kind to the person in the next car, be kind to the person in that line because you don't know what their story is and you don't know how much your kindness will impact other people. So I am challenging you to be kind, not when you feel like being kind, but when you don't feel like being kind because that's what can really help people and make a difference. Absolutely. Awesome challenge. And if you do accept that challenge, make sure you share your experiences with us in the comment section of what you did. Maybe that moment of rage you may be feeling in that traffic and you're actually doing something kind. So definitely share that with us, your experience, maybe even a previous one, but mm -hmm. we want to know how you're being kind to others. So that was definitely a good challenge. So I definitely appreciate you for being Yay, on the show. You. We definitely should do it again in the future because, like I said, I totally believe in what you're doing. Proud of the work that you're doing. Thank you. And I think you have a, a hugely bright future for sure. So we will definitely be following what you will be doing. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, absolutely. So exciting, so fun. I love it. Thank <laughs> I, you. No problem. Thank you for being on. So uh, so now that we know what Bree does with her 24 hours, we want to know what you do with your 24 hours. Definitely make sure you comment down below if you accept that challenge. Make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications, and we will see you on the next episode.